0: Well, good morning, everyone. How are you today? I missed you all last week. I was out of town, and I need to correct the record. I actually misinformed everybody about four weeks ago about where I was going to be. I got my schedule mixed up. Um, I was away last week. I was at uh, the celebration of the graduation of my youngest son from the University of Texas last weekend. So my wife and I, we got a raise this week. And some of you had heard that I was away doing a wedding. I'm actually doing a wedding at the end of the month, and I'll be gone another week. But uh, I'm really glad that, that I'm back. And I want to thank uh, Joe for uh, sharing with you last Sunday a little bit more about our, our study of the Sabbath. So uh, happy Mother's Day. Thanks for being here with us today to all the ladies in the house. We, we appreciate you choosing to, to worship with us here this morning. Hey, I want to... I wanna, um, introduce you to a photograph oh it's already up here it is these are um, these are the members of our upcoming uh, guatemala team that's headed to a missions project in uh, central america in uh, the first week of june and uh, a lot of these are high school students and um, most of them have never been on a missions trip before so i'm really really excited for them and um, i hope that you're very encouraged to see uh, such a representation of young people who are interested in finding out more about what it means to serve the Lord. Uh, 22 of them are headed out to Guatemala, like I said, in the first week of June. Most of them never done something like this before. They're going to be joining an organization called Mission Discovery, which is one of our partners in helping us get to different places in the, in the world to serve. And uh, they serve primarily churches and schools in Uh, the particular lands that um, our groups go to and we're excited Um, this group will be sharing um, in uh, building a house for a needy family they'll also be distributing uh, food to families in need and uh, then they'll also be uh, hosting a um, like a vacation bible school or a christian uh, study for children uh, during the week, and I think they're gonna have a wonderful, wonderful experience. And um, we would love for you guys to know about that so that you can be praying for them. Also wanna let you know that next Saturday, May the 20th, this group will be hosting another fundraiser for their trip, and we'd love to have uh, all of you, or as many of you as interested. If you have children, this is a great opportunity. Um, it's called Bubble Soccer. It's playing soccer inside these enormous inflatable bubbles. Yes. What kid wouldn't love to do that? What, what big kid wouldn't love to do that? So come on out next Saturday. The event's from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock here on our campus. We'd love to have you come and be a part of it. You can um, also find out how you can give to the project. And it doesn't matter if, if you have any money or not. We would love to have you just come and show up as a show of support for our kids and what they're doing. Um, and uh, bring your family along. Everybody will have a great time. Make sense? So what do you say we, uh, just as a church family, uh, some of these folks that you see in the picture, they're going to be with us with the 11 o'clock service, but weren't able to have them all here today at this service. So um, I'd like to go ahead and just pray for them like they were standing here with us today. So if you would, just bow your heads with me, and let's pray for this group. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for the ways that you are at work in our hearts and our lives. And I know I stand here this morning and recognize that it's been mission trips like this one that have had an enormous impact on my life as a young person. And so, Father, I'm genuinely excited for the students from Sybil Creek Community Church who will be headed off to Guatemala. I thank you for the adult um, chaperones who will be attending with them. A couple of college students also going along for the adventure. And Father, I'm just asking, on behalf of our entire church family, we ask that you would just grant them an absolutely wonderful experience. That they'll have just a rich sense of your presence in their life while they go and while they're there. I pray, Father, that you'll give them a sense of you speaking into their hearts and leading them and guiding them to know what to do in moments that they will encounter in this experience. And I pray, Father, that every one of them will have a very real sense of you using them in some way to encourage another person in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that they'll come home full of stories about how not only you used them, but how their life was changed for having made themselves available to be used by you. So, Father, as a church family, we, we commit to upholding these young people in prayer. And I pray, Father, that you would just grant them wonderful successes as they seek to serve you. And we pray and ask this in the name of Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to do that. So um, I learned a new word about two weeks ago. Um, Now I like words. I I kind of am fascinated with words. I'm the weird guy that if I'm reading something and I come across a word that I don't um, recognize, I don't just assume from the context what it might mean. I actually go and look it up. I wanna know like it's etymology. I wanna know the different meanings. Um, I've just always liked words. In fact, I found out um, about two weeks ago, the woman who taught me my love for words just recently passed away. She was um, in her 90s. Uh, She was um, my middle school and high school English teacher, Mrs. Marjorie Horner. God bless that woman. It took her forever to teach me the difference between a direct object and an indirect object. And don't even ask me what a gerund is, because she tried. I just never got it. What an infinitive is, I'm still at a loss. But she tried. She tried. She um, taught me a love for language. She affirmed my uh, interest in writing. She was very encouraging in that regards. So I really do. I owe a lot to Mrs. Horner for her enormous influence in my life. And um, she was a saint. Because in the history of detentions, I'm pretty sure that no one's received more detention in all of the history of detention than I did. Um, I just eventually learned it, to think of it as after-school care, because I was there all the time. And I'll give you one guess about why I might have gotten so much detention. It might have had something to do with my complete inability to stop talking, (laughs) if you can imagine that. But I did, I I, uh, have this fascination with words, and so I learned this new word, a couple of weeks ago, reify or reify, I've looked up pronunciations, it's pronounced both ways, reify or reify, and here's, here's the concept, to make something abstract more concrete or real. And I think one of the reasons why I so liked this word is the more I thought about it, the more I recognized that that's essentially what I do for a living. I take concepts and ideas and abstracts and I try to make them something that we can get our arms around and understand in very practical ways. I mean, when you're talking about like God and faith and spiritual growth, those are very, in some respects, very abstract ideas. And I work really hard to try to help us make something very practical and tangible out of them. And so um, the last couple of weeks, we've been exploring an abstract idea called the soul. And I've been trying to help us understand what is the soul and how does it work? And kind of like a basic definition, the soul is that part of us that relates and responds to God. If God's going to do anything in our life, he's going to do it through our soul. It's that intangible God part of our life. And those of you who've been here the last couple weeks, you may recall that when I first started the discussion on the soul, I I gave you a list of some words and I gave you some pictures to look at as a way to maybe think about the soul. And, And so we looked at the words like sacred and noble and revered and hallowed. And if you can sort of understand the spirit or the, the idea of those words, I think those words describe what it's like in our soul. Our soul is a sacred place. It's a place of the noble. It's, it's a hallowed kind of place. And then to help with that concept, I, I showed you some pictures of these places, Arlington National Cemetery. The Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C., September 11th Memorial, the Alamo, Notre Dame Cathedral. These are sort of sacred, revered, hallowed kinds of places. And so when we think about our soul, when we think about this idea of Sabbath, Sabbath is designed by God to be this time, this place where we nurture what's going on in our soul. A Sabbath, by nature, is about stopping and resting, but not just taking the day off. Sabbath is about doing the kinds of things that nurture the life of our soul. Does that make sense? So, here's something that I want us to be aware of, and this is what we're exploring right now. That most everything about contemporary society competes against what it takes to nurture a healthy soul did you hear that the most of the culture and society that we're surrounded by with every day it competes against the things that are necessary for our soul to thrive for that relationship and that response to god to really be alive and so we're talking about three of the greatest threats to the Sabbath rest of our soul. We talk about hurry, we talk about noise, we talk about clutter. We talked already about the theme of hurry. And so I, I just want to kind of get us back to that, that idea just one more time before we move on to today's topic. Maybe many of you, you've been to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C. These Majestic granite walls, this, this uh, memorial is about a little over one and a half football fields in length, and etched into these marble slabs are the names of 58,318 soldiers who gave their lives in Vietnam. Now regardless of what your personal perspective or opinion may be about that war, what we all have to agree is that over 58,000 American young men and eight women on the wall they gave their lives in the service of their country. They died. They were somebody's sons and daughters. They were brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, husbands and wives so I think we could all agree is that this place, there's a certain part of it that is hallowed. It has a sacred nature to it. It should be treated with a certain amount of reverence for what it represents, does that make sense? So imagine, if you would, imagine that you're going to the wall and you're going with maybe your children. Or you're going with some friends who have never been there. And before you start down the corridor, you, you kind of get them all grouped up in a little huddle, and, and you do your very best speech to try to prepare them for this experience. And you, you tell them about the enormous sacrifice it represents. And you tell them about the tremendous loss that it represents. And you try to get them in a place where they can really experience what this is all about. And then you say to them, okay, here's what I want to do. I want you to experience this wall. You have a minute and a half. And you think, well, why would I even bother? A minute and a half? that There's no way I could appreciate and truly honor what this experience is about. In a minute and a half, I, I wouldn't even be able to read a dozen names. Like to really take them in and appreciate them. Do you understand how that would just be incompatible? And yet, folks, listen to me. That's what we do to our soul. Our soul is a hallowed and sacred place. And yet we live our lives so fast and furious, going from one thing to the next, no margins. We're going so fast and furious that we just run through the work of our soul. And so our soul is unable to do what our soul was designed to do. I think of the soul as if it's a garden and the seeds of all the best that God wants for us are planted there in our soul. And if we're in a hurry we never take the time to cultivate the garden. Meanwhile there's seeds in there like love and joy and peace and hope and confidence and courage and contentment and yet we're so fast we're so furious one thing to the next that we don't have the time to really nurture the work of our soul. Does that make sense? So So hurry is a threat to the health of our soul. So today I want to talk about a second threat to our soul. So imagine that you're at the wall. Imagine you've never been there before. You've heard some things about how of a noble place this is, but you've never been there. You've never seen it. And you come to the wall. Now just imagine, we're using your imagination here. Imagine you come to the wall and... You found out that it's built right next door to a 16-lane interstate highway. And there's trucks and motorcycles and ambulances and cars and everything going fast and furious down this highway just making all sorts of noise. That's on one side of the wall, and then on the opposite side of the wall is one of the busiest runways of an international airport. And every few minutes, there's an airplane landing or taking off. Could you imagine trying to experience the wall surrounded by that kind of noise? I think what would happen is most people wouldn't even bother going. It's just so noisy. I can't can't really focus. I can't really appreciate the solemnity of this memorial to our soldiers. Do you understand that? The same is true with our soul. Our soul can be so noisy that it can't do the one thing that it was most designed to do. Would you like to talk about that? So today, I want to talk with you about noise. Now, the noise that threatens our soul comes in all shapes and sizes, and it's not what you think. The noise, I'm not, uh, the noise I'm talking about is not the colicky baby that's sitting in the seat next to you on a four-hour flight to California, I'm not talking about that kind of noise. I'm not talking about you know the two dozen riders of Harley-Davidson's coming down the street at full throttle, I'm not talking about that kind of noise. I'm not talking about a dozen jackhammers at a construction site, busting up concrete. I'm not talking about that kind of noise. I'm talking about a noise that happens inside of us, not a noise around us. You ready? Okay, listen, you're paying attention. I'm about to put a list on the screen And I want you to know that what's on the list is not necessarily bad. It's not necessarily wrong. The list is not necessarily sinful. The things on the list are generally amoral. It's what the things on the list can do to our soul if we're not careful. So they're not bad, they're not wrong, they're not sinful. What I'm about to show you, are are, are you listening? Are things that can be dangerous to your soul. You ready? Things like news and social media talk radio, television, video games, advertising, debate, politics, podcasts, books, music, expectations, lifestyles, ambition. These are things that can be, if we're not careful, the cause of tremendous noise in our soul. Like, let's just take, for instance, news nothing inherently evil about news until we understand how news is used. One of the things that we have to first appreciate about news, and this isn't conspiracy theory, this has been proven, this is factual evidence, that news nowadays, journalism, is no longer designed to inform you about what's going on. It doesn't just tell you the when, the who, the how, or the what. News nowadays no longer informs you. Nowadays, it interprets the events for you. And the minute that a journalist, I don't care what side of the aisle you stand for, I don't stand on, I don't care what, what political persuasion you are, I don't, I don't care if you listen to um, Fox News or C, uh, MSNBC and CNN, I, it, it's either one. Once a journalist is interjected into the news, to interpret an event for you, they interject their particular bias. So what we're finding today, predominantly in legacy news, and even in your boutique news platforms, is that news is often to push an agenda, to push ideological propaganda. That that is the danger of news these days. Something else to understand about news is that news It advertises, and so it has a profit interest. And to make a profit, their best interest is getting as many people as possible to follow that news as much as possible, and guess what they traffic in? They traffic in fear, because they know if they can traffic in fear, you'll stick around to hear more about what's next, what the solution is, what somebody's doing so news in and of itself is not evil. It's what news is used for. That it creates what? Fear down in our soul. Sometimes news creates division between people. And it creates hatred and resentment toward other human beings. That's the kind of stuff that results in news being a danger to our soul. Because of the resulting noise that it creates in our hearts. Does that make sense? Social media does the same thing. You end up looking at social media and go, well, our family doesn't go to those kinds of places. I've never eaten at that restaurant. How is it that she's so skinny? Why is it that he's in such great shape? And so what it does is it ends up creating a competitive spirit in your soul that then looks like discontentment and dissatisfaction for your marriage, for your home, for your lifestyle. It creates noise to your soul. We could go through every one of these. There's nothing inherently wrong about debate, except nowadays debate has spiraled down into such vitriolic expressions that it leaves people... Abject enemies to one another. That's noise in our soul. Folks, uh, I know, this will sound like the preacher, okay? This is when my youngest son says, okay, boomer, okay, (laughs) video games. (laughs) Video games can be so innocent until you realize that your child has now become addicted to them. Because that's the nature of digital devices is to create a dependency on them. Why do you think you fight so much with your child trying to get them to stop playing the game to do the thing that they need to do? It's because an addiction is being formed and an addiction is noise in our soul. Go through the whole list. are Are you tracking with me? So here's what happens is these sorts of things, they create the noise in our soul. And what the noise in our soul looks like is negative self-talk conflict with others, worry about what's happening around us, doubt about God's presence and activity in our life, unforgiveness toward people who've hurt us, a discontentment with the life that we are leading, resentment because of a host of of things that we feel like have been unfair, bitterness, anger, fear, lust, covetousness, lying, jealousy, envy, impatience, revenge, discouragement, tension, stress, restlessness. This is the noise of the soul and many of us the preacher included we can cultivate and nurture very noisy souls because of all the things that we listen to and watch and allow to have influence in our life does this sound really preachy I hope not, because it's not the hard. I just want us to recognize that it's very real. I, I want to show you this fascinating passage of scripture from the Old Testament. Um, in the passage, uh, the character Elijah, he's a, he was one of the prophets of the nation of Israel. Um, he had just done an extraordinary work, meaning God had just done an extraordinary work through him, and yet he found himself incredibly discouraged. Basically depressed for a number of different reasons and i love this passage and the word of the lord came to him and the word of the lord said elijah what are you doing here like wh- wh- why why are you in this state of mind and he replied oh, god i've been very zealous for the lord god almighty i mean i i went to bat for you and the Israelites, they've rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They put, up your prof- they put your prophets to death with the sword. And that's me. I'm one of those. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Right? I got a reaction. Like, Elijah, you are about to witness the Lord God Almighty in person. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. That big, loud wind he wasn't in that and after the wind there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake came a fire but the Lord was not in the fire and after the fire came a gentle whisper a gentle whisper and when Elijah heard it He pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave because he knew that he was now in the presence of the living God. And how did he know it? A whisper. Passage says a gentle whisper. Other translations read a still small voice. Are you listening? So we read this in the New Testament about Jesus and our relationship with him. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way, that person's a thief or a robber. But the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, and the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep... Listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his what? His voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not what? Recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus said, My sheep, they listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So maybe it's time that we did a little bit of thinking about the nature of God's voice. You ready? God rarely, if ever, raises his voice to be heard. God is not one to yell and scream. He doesn't rant and rave because he doesn't come from that place of insecurity. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lord God Almighty. He doesn't have to raise his voice. If you want to hear God speaking to you, you must listen for a whisper. That whisper will come from your soul. Because that's the God part of us. If your soul is a very noisy place, the cacophony of bitterness and hatred and anger and fear and worry and stress and discontentment, if your soul is a very noisy place, it'll never work as God intended a noisy soul will rob you of the one thing you need most in all of life. And what is that? If your soul is noisy, you will never be able to hear the still, small voice of God. How many times has somebody said to me, how many times have I longed to hear the voice of God? But we're listening for loud, or it would take loud to be able to be heard above the din of all the noise in our soul. And the whole time, the voice of God is a whisper. But if we have too much noise going on in there, we can't hear it. Did you know that it's possible to be in the quiet, quietest place on planet Earth and still have a noisy soul? You know why? Because our soul. You ready? I don't know. Are you ready? Our soul is connected or informed by our mind. Because everything that happens on the news and social media and video games and lifestyles and culture and society, everything that makes noise, how do we receive it? We receive it first through our eyes and our ears and it's our mind that interprets it all and how we interpret it all becomes the fear and the worry and the stress and the tension and the hatred and the discontentment. It's all about our minds. If we hope to have a healthy soul, we have to take care of what goes on in our minds. Look at this verse. Isaiah, God, you will keep him in perfect peace. You will keep her in perfect peace whose mind is fixed, focused, stayed, anchored, secured in you, God because that person trusts in you when you hear the news trust in the Lord forever for in Yahweh the Lord is everlasting strength one commentator um, shared this I thought this was this was so encouraging God made an amazing promise through the prophet Isaiah you will keep him in perfect peace we're talking about the person whose mind is stayed on him what a promise Perfect peace. God promises that we can have perfect peace and even be kept in a place, preserved, protected so our entire life is lived in perfect peace. He goes on to say, in the original Hebrew text, the term perfect peace is actually shalom, shalom, two Hebrew words together. This shows how in the Hebrew language, repetition communicates intensity, It isn't just shalom. No, it's shalom, shalom. It's perfect peace. It is as if God wasn't satisfied to give us just one door of peace to walk through. He opened up double doors. Come on into my peace, double doors of peace. And He said, Shalom, shalom. If one assurance of peace is not enough for us, He will follow it with a second and then put one on top of those two, the promise to keep us there. Yes. That's good stuff, folks. God is offering you shalom shalom peace on top of peace but noisy souls they can't hear that they can't experience that they can't feel that the war for peace is fought in the battle of the mind I'm just real quickly watch this Paul writes to the church of Philippi rejoice in the Lord always that's confidence that's courage that's hope that's an inner kind of happiness. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness. This is the idea of, you're just, you ready? You ready? This is just, you go through life with a calm, cool, collected spirit. Not because you're so great. It's because your God is so capable. You can just walk through life with a certain reassurance. The Lord is near. That's your gentleness, is I just live my life when I hear the news, and I look at social media, and I feel all the conflict that is going on in our nation, and our society, and I just, I just wade through it all with a presence of peace, because why? Because I know where God is in the picture, he's near, do not be anxious about anything, But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And look at this, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Like, you'll not be able to explain this. This is a work of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul also wrote, finally, brothers and sisters, like I'm coming to the close here, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those kinds of things. News isn't going to take you there. Podcasts aren't going to take you there. Social media is not going to take you there. Video games won't take you there watching all your friends and neighbors and sort of gauging your life by theirs. It won't take you there. Whatever you have learned, whatever you've received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, your mind, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul writes this to the church of Rome. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... Offer your bodies as living sacrifice. Just give yourself to God. It's the wisest thing you'll ever do. Holy, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Look at this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, how? (gasps) By the renewing of your mind. It's about what goes on here that ends up having a profound influence about what you experience in your soul then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we start to understand the essential nature and the importance of our mind and what we allow to traffic there, then this verse suddenly makes more sense, the Apostle Paul writes in Corinthians. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You're listening to the news. You're feeling that fear, that worry, that resentment, that hatred all welling up inside you. Paul says, get your hands on that and say, nope, not today. I'm not going there today. That has no place here. I'm a child of God. The Lord is near. I'm setting that aside, and I'm going to live in courage and confidence and hope. I can live with peace. But I I have to be honest with you. I'm not interested in yanking anybody around. Here's the deal. It takes great intentionality and it takes discipline to protect yourself from the threat of noise in your soul. Does that make sense? There's a part that you play in this. You partner with God for the peace that he has for you about what you allow to traffic through your mind because it ultimately either creates noise in your soul or protects your soul from the noise. Over time, a noisy soul can become deaf to the quiet and gentle promptings of God. Folks, I know because I've talked with many of you and you've said, I, I don't really ever hear the voice of God. Maybe because your soul's too noisy. Okay, you ready? Be honest now. You're in church. (laughs) You don't have to raise your hand. Don't answer out loud. This is just you and God right now. Be honest though. There's no value. Folks, listen. There's no value in deceiving yourself. You don't grow if you deceive yourself. You don't change if you deceive yourself. So be honest now. What occupies your mind the most? Be honest now. What occupies your mind the most? Politics? Celebrity? Lifestyle, wealth, approval and affirmation of friends, what, what occupies your mind the most? What do you spend the most time thinking about? Be honest now. Is it a hobby? Is it golf? Is it tennis? Is it pickleball? Like, really? Fun things, great things, wonderful activities. But if your mind is all wrapped around that, it's just noise. It's just noise. Is it about the car you drive, the house you live in, or the vacations that you go on? Is it your job and your career? Well, Paul, I have a very important job. I I know you do. But I'll I'll venture a guess that it doesn't stack up anywhere near the importance of hearing God's voice in your life. Because you can't do your job to the glory of God unless you can hear the voice of God to lead you in the job that you do. The truth of the matter is, you leave your job on Tuesday, they'll have your role filled by Thursday. (laughs) But you can't replace the voice of God in your life unless you have a soul that's open to it. Do your thoughts reflect, now listen, be honest, do your thoughts reflect the quiet and soothing reassurance of a confident and courageous faith in God? Are you so full of turmoil about stress and worry and fear and anger and resentment about all the stuff you see going on around you? Folks, I can speak to this from personal experience. I allowed my soul to get lost in the noise, and I had to come back. Do your thoughts reflect a quiet and soothing, let your gentleness be known to all, Paul said, of a confident and courageous faith in God. Make sense? I'll share a story with you and then we'll be done. You're like, finally. (laughs) You're creating a lot of noise for me, Paul. I I came across this story years ago, and I just appreciated it, and then preparing this message, I was like, oh, this is such a good story for this message. So an American Indian, he left his home in the quiet deserts of Arizona to go visit a friend who lived in downtown New York City. And walking down a busy street with his friend, he suddenly stopped, he said, i I hear a cricket. His friend said, you're crazy. There's no way you could hear a cricket in all this noise. But his Indian friend persisted, no, no, I hear a cricket. I'm sure of it. His friend said, it's noon. There are thousands of people bustling around, cars honking, taxis squealing, buses accelerating. I don't believe you can hear a cricket in all this noise. But his Indian friend listened again and he walked slowly across the street where he found a large cement planter with a shrub in it. And he dug beneath the leaves of the shrub and sure enough, there was a cricket. And his friend was stunned and he said, you have amazing hearing. But the Indian said, no, my ears are no different than yours. It simply depends on what you're listening to. Here, let me show you. So the Indian reached into his pocket and he pulled out a handful of change quarters, dimes, nickels, and pennies, and he dropped it on the concrete, and you guessed it, every head within a block turned. You see what I mean? It depends on what you're looking for. Folks, maybe the reason that we're not hearing Jesus speak to us is because we're listening to the sounds of this world and we're not tuned into the voice of heaven. Maybe the place to start is to get rid of some of that noise, to get rid of some of the noise that you've allowed in your soul. Make sense? Something to think about. Let me ask you to stand together. So again, happy Mother's Day to all of you here. We have a couple of uh, places on campus today where you can take family photographs if you want to do that. You'll find them out in the front of the lobby. So check that out. And also, we have a delicious treat for only the ladies just the ladies you also find that in the lobby guys not for you today I hope you all have a great day let's pray together and I'll let you go on father thank you so much for this amazing miracle that the God of the universe has created a place inside of every human being to hear your voice to guide us, to lead us, to reassure us, to comfort us. God, forgive us, forgive me for all the noise that I allow to happen down there. The things that I let have so much influence on my mind that just stirs up trouble for me inside so God I pray that you'll take these words you'll take this message and that you'll be at work in hearts and minds in this room those watching online that we'll all do some serious work about being honest to what we're allowing in our lives that creates so much noise in our soul deliver us from that creating us a person through a relationship with Jesus Christ who's at peace and can hear clearly your voice when you speak to us because we've made a place to hear your whisper. I pray and ask this in the name of Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. All right, gang, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.